Good morning. It's wonderful to see everyone here this morning. We, we want to thank you for being here with us this morning. As Monty said, if you, are, if you are visiting with us this morning, we are very glad that you are here with us this morning. We hope that you find yourself blessed and edified by the services this morning. We hope that, that the things that we talk about are in accordance with God's will and the things that we look at in God's word will be a benefit in our lives. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to be here this morning that anytime we have the opportunity to sing praise unto our God, to worship our God in truth and in spirit, and to break open his word and to study his word and read his word, we are going to be benefited and blessed in our lives. And, and, and we appreciate everyone being here this morning. Franklin asked me to uh, sp- uh, uh, speak for him this morning, and I'm very blessed and happy to have the, uh, uh, the opportunity to speak uh, this morning. When I got here, I was dressed like this. And Denver said, well, you look really good. You look like a lawyer. So that seems kind of fitting for the outfit that I have on this morning speaking uh, 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 for, uh, for Franklin. But it's a wonderful opportunity, and I, appreciate, and I appreciate it very much this morning. I should have told Monty I have an, an update on Maddie. Maddie, our cousin, is, is doing pretty good. She's, she's doing okay. She's still in the hospital. She's still in kind of critical condition. But they took her off the vent, and she's, she's communicating. She's responding. I had a solid picture of her the, uh, the other day. She was petting one of those therapy dogs that are, are there at the hospital. So she has a long road to go, a long road to recovery. But we want to we wanna th- thank everyone for the prayers on, on her behalf. She is doing better. This morning, I have most of the verses up here on the board. There's going to be a couple times that we're going to turn and look at the book of Job and the book of Acts. And I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible or a device there that you can look to and study the, the Word with us, there's going to be a couple times we're going to turn and read the Word of God together this morning. But God is an awesome God. Our God is awesome. He is wonderful. He is holy. And He is worthy of our time and our attention this morning as well as every single day of our lives. And I want us to keep that in our hearts and our minds this morning, that God is worthy. God is worthy of everything that we can give him. God is worthy of the songs that we sang. God is worthy of those songs that we sang. He is worthy of our worship. But God and his son are worthy. And, and, and I want us to study that worthiness this morning and what we should do in response to how worthy and great our, our God is. God is worthy. Worthy of what? Why are we here this morning? Are you here this morning to worship God? Were you dragged here this morning by your parents? Did you come willingly? Are you here self-seeking something? Or are you here giving God praise and worship? So God is worthy of our praise. And this morning we sang songs of praise unto our God. We sang wonderful songs. And sometimes we worry about those songs. We worry about us singing or do we sing good? Do we have good tone? Does our voice hurt? And what I want us to understand is none of that matters at all. God is worthy of our, of our singing, and that is praise to God. He is worthy of our worship. That's what we're here, here for this morning, that he is worthy of our worship. What is worship? Worship is prostrating ourselves down, spiritually bowing ourselves down to God because he is worthy. He's worthy of our worship. That many times we see people, bowing down to kings or you may watch some movies and some things like that that they're just bowing all the way down that's what god is worthy of he's worthy of that worship he's worthy of our time he's worthy of everything that we can give him that worship means is being here worshiping or being at home worshiping giving god everything that you can because he is worthy of our time and worthy of our praise and worthy of our worship this morning that we pay homage unto our God because he's worthy of that homage we bow ourselves down to God because he is worthy of that bowing down to 
because he's an awesome and a great God this morning, as he has been and will always be. You know, Psalms chapter 150, verses 1 through 2, here the Bible says, Praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power. Verse 2, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. God is great. God has done many wonderful, great things. And I'm not talking about the things in our lives. God is great according to his excellent greatness. But I want to ask us the question, what makes God so great? That might seem like a silly question. We probably have maybe an understanding of it. But why is God great? Why is God wonderful? Why is God worthy of our praise? Why is God worthy of our worship? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. There's that general statement there. God created everything. God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it, and he spoke it into existence. If we just think about that, if we just go back to Genesis and think about God creating everything, God is worthy of our praise. God is worthy of our worship. That's one of the great acts and mighty acts of God. It's not just us personally. It's what he has done. That he created the heavens and the earth. He created the form. He created the light. He created all of it, and he just spoke it, and there it was. That reason alone, God is great. That is his excellent greatness. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 22 through 24, here the Bible says, Ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God shall fight for you. I, I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness. And thy mighty hand, for what, for what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might. So here, they're about to go up to battle, and it says that the Lord is going to fight for them, for the children of Israel there. And it says here that there is no God, and there is no other God, but it's, 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 it's saying that who is like our God? So there's no other God in heaven or earth. There is no one that can do these things. He is one of a kind. That many times we give maybe people in general, our society here gives famous people or famous athletes praise and, and glory and all these things. And there's several different. You, you could pick out your favorite. There's only one God, and there's no other God like him. There is no other God, period. There's no one like him. There's nothing like him that can do the things that he can do. God is mighty and God is great. We just finished studying the book of John on Wednesday nights, and we're about to start the book of Acts. John, we just went through the whole, whole entire uh, book of John on Wednesday night, and, and Lord willing, next Wednesday, Brother Aaron is going to do Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start the study in Acts chapter 1. But if you recall from that study, it says here in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and we just looked at that. We just talked about that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Skip it down to John chapter 1 to verse 14. The Bible says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word was God, and without him, without the word, nothing was made. 
I said the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. So think of that as the same, that when we talk about how worthy God is and how God is worthy of our praise and how God is worthy of our worship, Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise. Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship, for he is the son of God. He is the word that was brought down and made flesh. He is God, God with us. As it tells us here in in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. So when we think about our focus on how great our God is, it's, it's how great his son is as well. It's how great Jesus is. Both of them are worthy. Both of them are worthy of our praise. Both of them are worthy of our worship. And there's no one like God. There's no one like Jesus Christ. No one has been on this earth that is like Jesus Christ. And we should just be falling all over ourselves to praise him and to worship him every day of our lives. What or who can we compare God and his son to? Really, you can't compare them to anybody. But many times as we look at society here, there are sport figures, there are famous people, there are popular musicians that people set on a pedestal that they think are great And they see these people, and you've seen these concerts or you've seen these videos where they're just falling all over themselves. They want to touch somebody. They want to touch that famous person. They want to touch that famous sports star. And you can name any sports star. You can name Lionel Messi or or Ronaldo or Neymar Jr. And if you don't know who those people are, you can get with me at the services, and I will educate you. Those are famous soccer players. But you can have football players. I can't think of any. You can have basketball players like Michael Jordan or somebody, and those people are famous. But why are they famous? Why do people just go crazy for them? Why do people try to get near them and to touch them and to be there with them? Because they compare them to other people. They compare them to other athletes. If you put Michael Jordan with a lot of other basketball players, he's going to naturally be the, the best or one of the best because you compare him that way. It's like just soccer today, if you talk about Pele back, back in the day, and you look at these famous athletes, and we consider them great because we can compare them to other athletes, and their skill set is amazing. Or these, these singers or these movie stars, we compare them to other singers and other movie stars. We think an actor is wonderful because we look at other actors and how much better they are. What can we compare God to? What can we compare his son to? Riley read Psalms chapter 93, and the Bible here tries to put it into perspective for us some. It tries to make us think about how great God is, but there's really nothing to compare God with. And we're going to see that here in a moment. Psalm chapter 93, verses, or the whole psalm there, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says, The Lord reigneth, he is clothed with majesty, the Lord is clothed with strength, wherewith he hath girded himself, and the world also established that it cannot be moved. Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. Verse 4, the Lord on the high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the mighty waves of the sea. Thy testimonies are very sure. Holiness becometh thy house, O Lord, forever. See, God is great. There is no one like God. It says here that the Lord reigneth and he is clothed in majesty, royalty, majesty, greatness. That's who God is. It says thou art from everlasting. Can we think of any athlete who is from everlasting or any famous person who is from everlasting? 
It says, the Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, yea, than the waters of, of, of the sea. And I've never been to the, I've been to the sea, but I've never been on a boat or see crashing waves. Some Navy men probably have. And there's probably one mighty power, seeing waves and seeing tsunamis and all these things. And it is their, 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 their destruction or their might, their greatness and how loud it is, I'm sure it's extremely loud, or being in a hurricane. God is greater than, mightier than all those things. His might and his power and his force is greater than all those things. So it tries to make us think about that, how great our God is. There's no one to compare him to. There's nothing to compare him to. We can't even compare him to the waves of the sea. He's mightier than that. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 through 21, the Bible says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Verse 19, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Verse 20, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. So here it's talking about little children, obey. Do the things that God wants you to do. Obey that truth. And we're going to read the, the rest of this and see about obeying God's commandments and how we should do that. And it says there that if our heart, heart, heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. And that's when it says that heart there, you, you, you can go and look it up. It's about your feelings. It says God is greater than your feelings. God is greater than your heart. And we hear the opposite all the time in society. So just follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? How do you feel? Does it feel right? Well, if it feels right and it's against God's commandments, guess what? It's not right. God is right because God is great and God and his word are greater than our hearts. That many times people put humans on that pedestal, our intellect, or all the things that we have achieved, or our feelings or how we think we should be or who we think that we should act like. And we put ourselves, our heart, our feelings above all others. And it says God is greater than all that. God is greater than your feelings. God is greater than your heart. Finishing that, that, that chapter there in John, First John chapter 3, verse 22, the Bible says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments. That do these things that are pleasing in his sight. And, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Verse 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that we abideth in us, or that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. What's one of the things that we can do to praise God? What's one of the things that we can do to worship God? Because he's worthy. We've established how worthy our God is. One of those things is to keep his commandments. If you see these three verses, the word commandments and commandment and commandment and commandments, it's all over the place. That's one of the ways that we can worship him. And he's worthy of this worship. That that commandment is about believing on the name of, of, of his son, Jesus Christ. And we just talked about that in the book of John. If you look at the book of John, that's what we talked about. This is the same John who wrote that book of John. He's saying, do you remember that commandment? That we should love, love each other. That's how we worship. That's how we honor God, by keeping his word and keeping his commandments. Be, believing and obeying him. And why do we believe and obey him? Why do we keep his commandments? Because he is great and he is mighty and he is worthy. And he will save your souls through those who praise him and worship him and understand how mighty he is. God is greater than our hearts. You know, in Exodus chapter 3, this is when God is speaking to Moses, and he's about to tell Moses, you're going to go to Egypt so you can lead my people out of Egypt, that you can lead them out of Egypt and take them to that promised land. 
and is telling Moses, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go get them, you're going to go talk to them, and you're going to get them out. But Moses asked this question in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. The Bible says, And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto those children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? It seems like a natural reaction, right? They said, The God of your fathers. Said, well, what's his name? Verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Do you know what that word means? I am? It means exist. It means that God exists. He is existence. There is no beginning or end for God. He said, Who's sending you? Existence is sending you. He said, I exist because I exist. So what can we compare that to? Nothing. There's nothing that we compare him, him, him to. So he is so great. So like those people that fawned over those athletes and like those people that just go crazy for all those actors and those singers, do we act like that? Do we feel like that towards our God? He is so far beyond any of those things. He is so worthy, and he exists. There's no other person. There's no other God to compare him to. There's like we have athletes to compare a- athletes to. God is above all that. There's no one like God. You know, Mark chapter 5 Mark chapter 5, verse 30 through 32, this is the story where, where, where Jesus is just walking through this town. And there's this woman that has an issue of blood. And she thinks that she knows that she just touches the hem of his garment that she'll be healed. And, and so she does that. She touches the hem of his garment, but there's a giant crowd around Jesus. They're just following him like we see those famous people today. They were following Jesus all around. And the Bible there says in Mark chapter 5, verse 30, the Bible says, And Jesus, Jesus, immediately knowing himself that virtue had gone out of him, they healed that woman who had that issue of blood, healed that woman, and he turned, who healed that, excuse me, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee? And sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. Does that not kind of give you a, a, a picture of how people act, act today? That they throng these famous people, they throng these, these, these athletes and these singers, and they want to touch that person. If they can just touch that famous singer, their lives will change. Their lives will not change. Those athletes or those famous people can do nothing for those fans. Nothing. Our God and Jesus Christ can do something. And these people were following him around, and she just wanted to touch him, just touch him. But there was a press, there was a crowd, and the disciples said, you see all these people? If we felt this way, like these people do, we would be falling all over ourselves to get inside the doors every time the doors are open, whether that's Sunday morning or Wednesday night, because he is so great that Jesus is so awesome. Where can I be near other people worshiping who was great and who was awesome? That should be our total thought. Just like these people here, they're thronging him. Do we do that? Do we feel that same way that these people do, that we want to be near Jesus? And we could be near Jesus by studying his word and worshiping him and praising him. It should be our total thought. But here's the thing. God and his son are worthy of our worship and praise regardless of our circumstances. This is where it gets a little personal. This is where we really have to focus. That God and his son are worthy regardless of what is going on in our lives. Regardless of the situation, whether it's a good time or it's a hard time, God is always worthy 
of our praise, and God is always worthy of our worship. That sometimes we give God praise and we give God worship according to the circumstances of our lives. Because when the circumstances of our lives are going really good and everything is going great, it's kind of easy to give God that praise and give God that glory. But what if things are going really, really bad? You've got a loved one in the hospital. You've lost your job. You've got a ruined relationship. Whatever it is, even through those times of your life, God is still worthy. His son is still worthy of your praise and your worship. If you would turn with me to Job chapter 1. I don't have these verses on the board. If you have a Bible, I'll encourage you to follow along in Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, we're going to, be, we're going to begin reading in verse 13. Here in this first chapter of Job, God is speaking with, with, with the devil there. And he says, if you looked at my servant Job, he is great. There is no one as good as Job. And then Satan's like, if I do these things to him, if I, if I terrorize him or I take away his, his health or I take away his family, he's going to just turn from you. So God said, well, put him to the test. Go ahead and see how Job reacts. Now in Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 13 here, the Bible says, And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their elder's brother's house, and there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were, were plowing and the, and the asses feeding before them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain thy, the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 16, while he was yet speaking, there came, uh, uh, there came also another, and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 17, while he was yet speaking, there came also another, and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 18, while he was yet speaking, there came also another, same day. This is the same day. There also uh, came another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men. And they are dead, and I alone, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Verse 20, then Job arose and rent his, his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Now this is a bad day. This is a bad day for Job. I've never known a day like this. But I've known some bad days, some hard days. That all his children, all his possessions, all his livestock, gone. And Job recognized that God is worthy of his worship. The thing that he does is that he rents his clothing and he bows down and he worships God. Would that be your first reaction? Would that be my first reaction? That's a terrible tragedy. And he falls down on his face and he worships God and he says, Blessed be the name of, of the Lord. Because Job recognized that God is worthy of his praise and his worship regardless of what is going on in his life. Is that how we feel? During those bad times, during those hard times, during those trials of health, do we think about worshiping God and praising God? Or do we want to ask God to take this away like, like Paul did? Take this thorn in the flesh away. Take this thing away from me. See, even through this bad time, 
Job worshiped God. Even through this bad time, Job blessed the name of the Lord. And that's how we should. Why? Because God is worthy of our praise and God is awesome and excellent regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, beginning of verse 16. I want to read another story, another account of another bad day that happened to these men. Acts chapter 16, beginning of verse 16. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, beginning of verse 16, the Bible says, And it came to pass as we went to pray, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us. And cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. And brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Verse 21, And teach customs which are not lawful to us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the, in, in the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Verse 25, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So these men were going about spreading the word of God. The, the damsel there who, who was possessed said as much. These are the men that will show you the way of salvation. But she also gave these guys money by saying, and as soon as Paul commanded, or in the name of Jesus Christ, commanded that demon to come out of there, they saw their money gone. So they take them to the police, or they take them to the magistrates there, and they beat them. And they lay many stripes upon their body. And then they throw them in prison. Not just prison, they throw them in a deep place in prison, and they lock their feet in the stocks, or they kind of lock them up, kind of imagine some chains or some shackles there. And they sing praises unto God. Is that how we would react in a, in, a, in a situation like that? That they were going about doing God's word, and then because of that, they are beaten. Their bodies are bruised, yet they sing praises unto God. It's very easy for us to sing praises this morning because God is worthy of our praises. But if something happens to us physically, do we still want to sing those praises unto God? See, even though these men were sent to prison and these men were beaten God is still worthy of their praise, and God is still worthy of their worship. And that's the same for us, whether we are sick, whether we have our, our health gone, or whether we're in the hospital, or things are going really bad, even though it's bad for us, God is worthy, and his son is worthy of our praise. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17, the, the next chapter over. Acts chapter 17, beginning of verse 22. <clears throat> Acts chapter 17, verse 22. <clears throat> Here Paul is, is, is going about in Athens and he sees these people and all these things to these made-up gods. And he speaks to them and he preaches to them there in verse 17 or chapter 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that, ye are, that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your divinations, 
or, 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 or devo devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and, and all, all the things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of, of the earth, and hath de determined the times before appointed, and the bonds of their and the bonds of their habitation. Verse twenty-seven: That they should seek the Lord, if haply they may feel after Him and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your poets have said. For we are also His offspring. So Paul is sitting there teaching them. He's taking an opportunity to, to see one of their, their images there to the unknown God. He's going to declare that unknown God, which is God, the only true God, the one that we've been studying, the one who is wor worthy of our praise and worship. And he says there that he is not worshiped and praised by man's hands as if he needed anything. You see, God is not, doesn't need our praise. He doesn't need our worship. We need God. We need to give God praise. We need to give God worship. That is for us. That God is worthy of that, but that is for us to give. So it kind of helps put, put that into perspective there. They say, let me tell you about that unknown God. He is the one that lived, that we, that we live and move and have our being. And many times we say that in our prayers, that we thank God because he gives us everything. We have no life without God. And there's no one on this earth that can do those things for us. There's no one on earth that is more worthy of our praise and, and, and our worship than God. It's not that he needs it from us. We need to give it to God. Do we feel an overwhelming sense of joy when we think about God? As we're, as we're stu studying this morning and we're looking at God's words and we're here, do you feel an overwhelming joy to give God praise and worship? Do you feel that every day? Not just here. It's very easy to do it here on, on, on Sunday mornings when I'm with other Christians. What if I'm at work or at school or at home? Do I have that same joy and want to give God praises of song? Give God worship. Does that joy lead us to give God his, and his son glory, honor, and praise? It should. If we think about who God is, and then if we think about what God has done for us, it should fill us with so much joy that we cannot help ourselves but to want to touch him, just like those people did. And we cannot help ourselves but to sing songs of praise unto our God, that we can't help ourselves but to live in a way that is worthy of him because he is most worthy of our praise and our worship. You know, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, there's a story here of, a, of, of Isaiah, and he kind of gets a vision of God. He gets a vision of God on this throne, and he sees these things. And I want us to think about that and focus on that and see if we can put ourselves here. And it says there in, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, in the year of, of King Ezariah, died and saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train, or his robe, filled the temple. And it and above it stood a seraphims, which one has six wings, and twine his covered his face, and with twine he covered his feet, and with twine he did fly. Verse 3. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do we think that? Do we just wake up in the morning and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who is full of glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
that these angels there, so to speak, couldn't help but say that. They said that one to another. You know, in, in, in a, a, a Revelation chapter 4, we see a similar thing here. In Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, And four beasts of each of them, six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Verse 9, and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. So the Bible here says these, these, these beasts there, they were giving praise unto God. And it said they didn't rest day and night saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which, is and is, which was and is and is to come. That we could take a lesson from this. That we can think 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 this way that we don't rest day and night giving God that praise and that glory and that worship that God is holy 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 from all for all time and these could not help they could not rest day and night without proclaiming how holy God is do we feel that that same way can we feel that same way knowing that whether it's good or bad times for us God is holy verse 10 there it says the four and, and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That's, that's what we've been studying here. All things are created by God. And it says here, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, and that God is worthy of us giving him glory and honor and praise and worship. Because he created all things for thy pleasure, and they all were created. That sometimes it's not about us. It's not about how we feel. It's not about how tired we are or how sore our throats are from singing on singing night. That doesn't matter. God is holy. God is worthy of all the honor and all the praise and all the worship we can give him. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 here, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now this is getting more personal on the other side. It says that we who believe and are baptized in the name of our Savior, uh, in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, and are Christians, we have something reserved for us. It means it's, it's there, it's reserved. It's, nobody's going to take it. It's our reservation, so to speak. And how is that? Because of Jesus Christ. How worthy is Jesus Christ? Worthy of all praise. And it says there in First Peter chapter one verse six, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom, having not seen ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory." Receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. If you think about these verses here, it says we greatly rejoice because of what God has done for us. 
what his son has done for us by dying on that cross. No athlete, no famous person could ever do anything like that. We should adore Jesus Christ for what he has done for us. And it says there, you greatly re re rejoice knowing you have that home in heaven, even though you're here. It says right now it's heavy because you have temptations, you have trouble, you have hard times like we talked about. But you should still have joy. You should still have joy because of what God has done for you. And it says here in verse 8, Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though ye have, you have seen him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. Joy that is almost unutterable. That is extreme joy. Do you feel that ex extreme joy during the heaviness times of, of temptation is hard? It's difficult when times are hard for you to feel that great joy. But the Bible says you should have it. You should have that joy that is unspeakable because of what God, who is worthy, has done for you. And God, who is worthy in general. Many times when I'm doing these lessons and I'm doing these slides, you'll see that I highlight things in blue. That way we kind of pay special, special attention to those blue words. That many times I want us to bring those special verses out, that we put them in our hearts and our minds, that we think about them. What, how great our God is and how great his son Jesus Christ is for the salvation that he brings us. Joy that is unspeakable. Rejoicing that brings us to just can't help ourselves. Do you feel that way? Do you feel that way this morning? Could you not wait to get here? Were you driving not too fast to get here this morning because he is worthy? You can't wait to praise him. You can't wait to give him glory. Revelation chapter 5. Some more lessons that we can take from this book that we can try to be this way and, and, and act it this way in our lives. It says here, and I beheld, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, and I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. I highlighted all in blue. The lamb is worthy, worthy of everything, worthy of all power, worthy of all riches, worthy of all wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what's going on in your lives, regardless of the trouble or the times that are going through you. God is always worthy and the lamb is always worthy. And we need to think about that, that even if we don't feel like being here or feel like giving God worship, be here. Give God worship because he's worthy, completely worthy at all times. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13 through 14, the Bible says, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such are in the sea, and all them in, uh, and, and that are in them, heard I, heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. This morning, I want us to, to fill ourselves up with that thought. That I know sometimes it's hard. I know sometimes you have difficulties in your life. But that is a wonderful thought that no matter what you're going through, God is still there. And God is still worthy. And Jesus Christ is still worthy. And they're there doing things for you, for those that believe on him. That if you're away from home, God is still worthy. If you're having trouble in your lives or in your family lives or your financial situation or whatever it is, God is still worthy because of his excellent greatness. That excellent greatness is constant. That excellent greatness is always there.
And I want us to think about that this morning. And Jesus Christ is here for you this morning. If you are not a child of God this morning, if you have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who is worthy of your praise and worthy of all your worship, he is here ready to help you. He's here to bring you to his fold, to that place, so you can have that assurance that we talked about, that reservation, that home in heaven. As, 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 as Monty said last Sunday, that this tent, this temporary person, can't wait to be in that more better dwelling. That can't wait to be in that mansion on high. Because if you think of a mansion and a tent, where do you want to be? And it says here that Jesus Christ can do that for you. If you want to, to be baptized this morning, if you want to put on Jesus Christ, we have water behind me. We are completely prepared to assist you in that. And we want you to do that if you haven't made that, that, uh, that commitment or that, that decision this morning. If you are a child of God and you need the, the prayers of the church, or if, there, or if you see that you have not been thanking or giving God all that praise and all that worship and how great he is, and, and you want to recharge yourself this morning, which I hope we all do, we are prepared to assist you with that this morning as well. If you would come and stand on the, or come and sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.